Perception is Reality with your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this 142nd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbury. Joining us, as always, is co-host Amber Green. We are recording this episode on Wednesday, February 17th, 2021, which will be a day that lives in radio broadcast history as a somber day. As I'm sure most of you listening are aware, conservative radio broadcasting icon Rush Limbaugh passed away today at the age of 70 after a year-long battle with lung cancer. We want to take you straight away to his wife, Catherine Limbaugh, for a statement. Hello, everyone. I know that I am most certainly not the Limbaugh that you tuned in to listen to today. I, like you, very much wish Rush was behind this golden microphone right now, welcoming you to another exceptional three hours of broadcasting. For over 32 years, Rush has cherished you, his loyal audience, and always look forward to every single show. It is with profound sadness I must share with you directly that our beloved Rush, my wonderful husband, passed away this morning due to complications from lung cancer. As so many of you know, losing a loved one is terribly difficult even more so when that loved one is larger than life. Rush will forever be the greatest of all time. Rush was an extraordinary man, a gentle giant, brilliant, quick-witted, genuinely kind, extremely generous, passionate, courageous, and the hardest working person I know. Despite being one of the most recognized, powerful people in the world, Rush never let the success change his core or beliefs. He was polite and respectful to everyone he met. Even most recently, when he was not feeling well in the hospital, he was so appreciative to every single doctor and nurse and custodian and first responder. He never wanted to put anyone out and always thanked them profusely for their help. From today on, there will be a tremendous void in our lives and, of course, on the radio. Rush loved our miraculous country beyond measure, an unwavering patriot. He loved our United States military, our flag, our constitution, our founding fathers. He proudly fought and defended conservative values in a way that no one else can. Rush often stood up and took arrows on his own because he knew it was the right thing to do. Rush encouraged so many of us to think for ourselves, to learn and to lead. He often said it did not matter where you started or what you look like. As Americans, We all have endless opportunities like nowhere else in the world. Rush gave us hope that through hard work and determination, we can overcome the obstacles in our lives and be our best. Many of you started small businesses or pursued personal dreams because Rush gave you the faith that you could. He made the most complex issues simple to understand while making that level of genius look easy. It most certainly was anything but easy. Irreplaceable, remarkable talent. On behalf of the Limbaugh family, I would personally like to thank each and every one of you 
who prayed for Rush and inspired him to keep going. You rallied around Rush and lifted him up when he needed you the most. I am certain, without a shadow of a doubt, if he could be here today, he would be. He loved you and he loved this radio program with every part of his being. Instead, we know our Rush is in heaven, encouraging us in the same way he always did on earth. Rush's love for our country and belief that our best days are ahead live on eternally. In Rush's honor, may we all continue Rush's mission in our individual lives and communities. I know all of you listening are terribly sad. We all are. I'm terribly sorry to have to deliver this news to you. God bless you, Rush, and God bless our country. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, a statement from Catherine Limbaugh. She aired that statement at 12 p.m. Wednesday, February 17th, when Rush Limbaugh's show would generally have kicked off and ran for a three-hour show, as it has for 32-some years. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm a little choked up about this. I didn't expect this. Um, I was aware that Rush was sick, as was most of the fans. Most, most people, whether you're a fan of his or not, was aware that he had been sick over this last year. His first diagnosis being sometime, I would assume, in January. He announced it to his audience in February of 2020. Uh, came forward and uh, straight out of the gate announced that it was a terminal illness, it was terminal cancer, uh, that it was stage four lung cancer, and he announced that he was going to fight, that he was going to pray, and that he had a faith in God and a faith in his doctors, and that he would fight and he would do what he loved until he couldn't do it. And straight away, he really didn't have any issues. Uh, it came to a point where he had a couple procedures. He had chemo, and he would miss a week here, miss a week there. He would have hosts uh, fill in from all over the United States, various hosts, regular hosts that listeners of the show are familiar with, and they did a fantastic job, but of course, they're not Rush Limbaugh. So he continued to work, and as the summer bled into the fall... He started missing more and more days here. He would be on a Monday show and then miss the rest of the week and or do a, an open line Friday show and miss the whole following next week. And I think everybody just kind of expected that. But of course, like always, it was great to hear him work. And if you subscribed to his website and paid a little bit of cash, you were able to see the Ditto Cam, which would allow you to see a live streaming video of his three-hour radio program. And I have been a subscriber for that for years. The last time he was in studio and behind the famous golden microphone was actually on February 2nd, 2021. And as the days kept 
progressing on and more and more days were covered by guest host, I was kind of wondering what was happening, if they were taking him in for another procedure or if he had taken a turn for the worst. There was actually a show in December of 2020 where in the third hour of the program, he had come on to the program and gave everybody kind of a bleak statement. It was filled with hope all in the same. Basically, he stated that they had been fighting the cancer, and although it initially had responded well, the cancer had kind of fought back with vengeance, and it didn't look too well. He even went as far as to say that the doctors thought that he wouldn't live much past October of 2020, and here it was December of 2020, so he was thankful. Uh, he, he said that he uh, went to bed saying his prayers and thanking God each night, and each day that he woke up, he was thankful for, and he kind of wondered aloud how many people actually do that, and he kind of postulated that he believed that People need to do that whether or not they have a terminal illness, and I, I, I can't disagree with him. I think that people need to do that. But it was clear to those that were viewing him that he was losing weight. He never really sounded different. That's the thing. He had lung cancer. He never really coughed. He never really... Uh, sounded horrible or was very congested uh, or his voice, his tone, it never really changed. And that's what I think was absolutely fantastic is we didn't really in, in what made him who he is, his voice, his, his talking, his ability to speak into a microphone and project thoughts and ideas to millions of people, that never really went away, and I'm so happy for that. Although Rush was always a large man, he had kind of gotten into a respectable weight in the last several years, and pretty quickly we saw that dwindle down, and he looked pretty gaunt, and, and he just looked sick, and you could tell that. But you would never have ever known anything was wrong by listening to his voice. On February 2nd, 2021, Rush sat down behind his golden microphone at the EIB Excellence in Broadcasting Studios, and he recorded a three-hour show, which he didn't think that he was going to get through. Before the show started, they had Mr. Mark Stein, a frequent guest hosts on standby in case he needed to take the show over and Rush was able to go forward with the show. He didn't need Mark Stein and he actually went as far as saying that they rechecked every hour uh, that it would come to the end of the hour if Mark Stein needed to step in and Rush was actually able to get through the entire show. That would turn out to be Rush's last show behind the microphone. I have read that sometime in the last couple days, Rush was taken to the hospital and he apparently succumbed to the lung cancer today. 
And I put out a very heartfelt uh, nod and tip of the hat to Rush and, you know, saying my thoughts and prayers to the family and gave a little bit of an obituary to Rush. And as I expected, I got a lot of people on that post on social media that love Rush and that felt the same way. But I also got some hate for it as well. And as the day progressed forward, I was able to see some absolute just trash vitriol uh, spewed in Rush uh, in Rush's direction, and it just absolutely upset me. And so that's what we're going to talk about. While I feel that many programs over the next couple coming days and weeks are going to take a look at Rush the Man, they're going to take a look at what he meant to radio and broadcasting and what he meant to the conservative movement, and they're going to give his stats and, and talk about how wonderful of a person Rush was and and honor him. And while I agree with every bit of that, I want to look at something a little bit different in this episode. Now, I want to first say this. I am doing exactly what I am doing right now, and you are hearing me because of Rush. I have been a fan of Rush for many, many, many years. I used to listen to Rush as a very, very small boy. Rush has been doing what we know him as doing for the last 32-some years. He actually started in radio before that in February of 1971 as a disc jockey, spinning music, and working his way through radio programs before settling behind the EIB golden microphone and using his voice to project his thoughts and his opinions in a conservative manner on the political scene in America. And he has since been self-described or described by his fans as America's anchorman, El Rushbo, the Maharishi, all names that were given to him or self-given to him out of love from fans or, or because of various aspects of the show that would pop forward. And he used a, a, a very sharp wit and intellect and humor that a lot of people just really didn't get. And I'll tell you, whether you loved him or you hated him, one thing that you cannot deny, and if you do, you're lying, is that he changed radio. He changed talk radio. He single-handedly revived and saved political talk radio, and specifically conservative political talk radio. Rush Limbaugh has been responsible, in my opinion, in forcing the political stream of thought in many different directions and quite possibly changing the outcomes of major, major elections in the United States of America. And he has a massive, massive fan base that have been fans for years and years and years. There are people who would call into his program all the time saying, my parents started listening to you. I listened to you as a small child. 
I am now a grown adult with children of my own, and they listen to you. They have all of your books. We have all of your merchandise. It was a family affair. And like I said, some people think that's great. Some people don't think that's great. But whatever you thought of Rush Limbaugh, the one thing that cannot be denied is... He was the absolute greatest at what he did, and he touched radio in a way that I don't think any other human being will do, at least in our lifetime. Rush Limbaugh was a a one-of-a-kind. However, as great as I can speak of him, what I find absolutely fascinating and utterly disgusting is how people are so willing to trash this man within minutes of finding out that he died, saying how wonderful it is that he is dead, talking about what an absolute piece of trash he was, and just being completely vitriolic, and that is what I want to focus on. While I agree with all of the shows that are going to go over all of his highlights and talk about how wonderful he is, I'm interested in what's broken in American culture and what is so deviant in people's minds that they can find celebration in a tragedy such as a human's death from a horrible disease such as lung cancer. And that's what we are going to look at and discuss. And I hope that you, yes, you, you the listener, will really think about what we're talking about, whether you're Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, libertarian, whatever you are, however you feel about this man, I would like for you to really think about what we're talking about here and try and understand, get into the psyche uh, of the people who are speaking out on both sides of this. The people who are are upset and, and are offering their thoughts, prayers, and comfort and the people who are showing their ass and showing what absolute right dickheads they can be. So let me ask you, Amber, were you a fan of the Rush Limbaugh show? Did you listen to Rush, or what What was your opinion of Rush? So I admittedly have never once listened to his radio talk show Um in, in all honesty, I think the only time I've ever heard him speak was when he was awarded, what, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Something. Yep. Yeah, that. See? That's, yep. <laughs> so I, Last I, year. Knew, I knew that that caused a big stink, um, but I also figured that it caused a big stink because it was Trump and Trump could have given that medal to Gandhi. And sure. I think people still would have been mad. Oh, absolutely. So I really paid no attention to why people were mad. Um, but today I've seen just a slew of, you know, like ding dong, the witch is dead posts basically. Yeah. And I'm just, that's just gross. Yeah. It just, is like i i don't care well okay i was gonna say i don't care who dies that's not entirely true (laughs) right if it's a murderer or a rapist um absolutely i'm i'm more than okay with you celebrating their death because they don't deserve to be here um 
But when it's someone that was a complete stranger to, I'm going to bet every single person that I've seen post something celebrating his death today. I just, I don't, I think that's so, it's disgusting. And for every time that you say he deserved it because he was a horrible human being, you are just as horrible for celebrating it. Well, you know, that's interesting. You talking about murderers and rapists because I am absolutely for the death penalty. I am very pro, very pro death penalty. And I do feel like there are people who commit crimes in this country that do deserve to be put to death. And I will always feel that way. When that happens, I don't know that I would say I necessarily celebrate the death because I do look at it as a chance where I wonder, you know, where in this person's life did things go wrong? Where was rehabilitation? One of the things I went live a little bit earlier and talked about Russia's death. And one of the things that I, I stated was, uh, and I'm sure you'll remember when Osama bin Laden was killed and they announced that uh, bin Laden had been killed. There were people who were, you know, drinking champagne and toasting in New York and, and it was a celebration and it was people started breaking out in USA, USA, USA. And I understand that sentiment. I understand why people would feel compelled to do that. And when looking at all of that through our news media, it didn't really explore if that was right or wrong. However, looking at all of that through the news media in other countries, a lot of other people that are our, our allies were wondering what was going on because it just seemed really in poor taste just from the whole humanity aspect of it. And I can understand people questioning that. Someone else I brought up was Ted Kennedy. You know, Democrat Ted Kennedy was the liberal lion. He was the cornerstone of the United States Senate from the Democratic side. And he was heralded as a hero among the Democratic Party and liberals. He also is responsible for the death of a young woman on July 18th, 1969, when he was driving his car while intoxicated and wrecked on Chappaquiddick Island, wrecking his car into very cold water, swimming to safety, and letting young 28-year-old Mary Jo Kopechny drowned in the water and not reporting that for many, many hours once he had sobered up and he was fine and he figured it couldn't hurt his political career. And along with that, he stood for a lot of democratic left-wing liberal ideas that myself and others do not agree with or support. And when he himself developed brain cancer, which was a very unfortunate situation, I don't want anyone to be ill and to go through that kind of problem. But when he developed this brain cancer and then unfortunately succumbed to the cancer on August 25th, 2009, I didn't cheer his death, and I don't know many other conservatives that cheered his death. 
And like most people on both sides of the political spectrum, I figured his family, his wife, his children, his distant family members, and his friends needed thoughts and prayers. I thought it was horrible that he had this disease and that he died from it. I don't want anyone to get sick and suffer and die from cancer. That's a horrible situation. Even though here's a man I despise, I offered him my thoughts and prayers and his family my thoughts and prayers, and I and no one else cheered this unfortunate death. But here we have Rush Limbaugh. Rush Limbaugh's never killed anybody. He's never raped anybody. He's not a child molester. He's an infotainment radio broadcast personality, and he got cancer, which is horrible. He fought cancer, which is horrible, and he died from cancer, which is horrible. And we have people on the left who are cheering. I was scrolling through a post, where someone had said that it was great that he was dead. And I was looking at all of the support that she was getting. And it made me think back to when Kobe Bryant died. Okay, yeah. Obviously, Kobe Bryant, not a political figure in any way, shape, or form, died tragically, just an awful, horrible, unexpected death with his daughter you know, makes it even worse. And I remember when he died, I was thinking, you know, this is sad. This is awful. But so many, I saw so many people like in tears over it. Like people just like me, people on my Facebook. I don't mean like people that, you know, knew Kobe Bryant. Right. I meant just people like me that had never met him had, you know, maybe grown up playing basketball in Indiana and every time they'd shoot a three, they'd be like, Kobe. Yeah, right. Like, like that was their, you know, the, the extent of their relationship with Kobe Bryant. And I thought, you know, it's so weird to mourn over a celebrity. Like, like physical mourning, like it's affecting your life. Like I can, I am human enough to sit there and and you know feel for his wife who not only lost her husband uh but also one of her children like sure. i i can't imagine what that feels like but it it didn't affect me to the point that i like couldn't complete my daily tasks yeah and and i remember thinking this is just it's weird to me that that happens like when michael jackson died or i i mean Elvis, I wasn't alive when Elvis died, but people like yeah. throw flowers in the street and cry and heave and like, and I just thought that was so weird. And in the same token, I think it's really freaking weird that people celebrate the yeah. death of a celebrity. Yep. And like it or not, that's what Rush Limbaugh was. Like he was sure. a political celebrity, but yes, he was still a celebrity. And I just, I, that's so bizarre to me. Like, and I think I, I summed it up. Someone commented on a, a post tonight on Facebook and she said something to the effect of, you know, he, Rush had, con Rush had said something about cigarettes not causing cancer, or smoking not causing cancer. And she said, I feel like karma is, satisfactory enough for me in this situation <laughs> and and i replied i said 
I don't like I have bigger things to deal with in my day-to-day life than deciding what makes a complete stranger's death satisfactory. (laughs) Yes. And that's like, and I know that has to be this, this weird, like, you know, mourning celebrities and or celebrating celebrities dying. A lot of that has to be based in our like social media culture that we have today. Yeah. But a lot of it isn't because like I said, that happened back when Elvis died and when Michael Jackson died, we had, we had just kind of come on the cusp of Facebook then. Right. Um, so it's, it's obviously been a thing long before social media. And it's just, it's freaking weird to me. Like I'm going to call a spade a spade. And if you are, I either way, overly excited or overly depressed that a complete stranger that you did not know other than from their life in the tabloids died. You are weird. You're weird. You know, like I, I did a, uh, I did a, a podcast episode on this. And as you were talking, I was just sitting here trying to look through and find where this was and i honestly for the life of me can't find uh find it but i did a podcast episode so longtime listeners will probably remember when the drummer for the band rush died his name was neil peart and i know it's kind of a weird little situation because we're talking about the death of Rush Limbaugh and now I'm bringing up an old episode where I talked about the band Rush and when their drummer Neil Peart died it kind of took me aback a little bit and I did an episode about how that made me feel and it kind of went down the rabbit hole from there and I talked about a couple different things but I agree with you I have never really understood why people get so upset and emotional when a celebrity dies, an actor, a musician, a professional sports athlete. I've never understood that. But I'll tell you a story. In June of 2009, I was still in law enforcement, and I was on a break, and I was kind of playing around on the computer, and I was looking at a news website when an alert popped up and said that Michael Jackson had been found dead in his home in L.A. And I was stunned. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. I thought, oh, my God, Michael Jackson has died. And it was showing all of the news footage. The helicopter was flying over his home, and and fans had started to amass in the area and they were all crying and upset. And I'll tell you, to kind of bring this back into a full circle, I was actually getting back in the car to go back to work and I was listening to Rush Limbaugh talking about the death of Michael Jackson and kind of talking about how people were out of their heads upset. And I just remember then thinking it was kind of like the death of Elvis, what I had seen in all the news footage. And I just remember thinking how weird that was. All the people crying and carrying on, it just was strange. And now I'll tell you, I'm a music lover. I love music. It speaks to my soul. I believe in a way that it doesn't to a lot of other people. I play drums in a band for 25 plus years. I've played my original music. I've played covers. I've recorded. I've played live. All sorts of various aspects. And I still just can't imagine being broken up over somebody that I don't know. 
And then in August of 2015, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And between August of 2015 and June of 2016, I went through the ups and downs of dealing with a parent battling terminal cancer. And then on January 10th, 2016, my dad calls me on the phone and tells me to quickly turn over to some news channel and see where they were talking about David Bowie dying of cancer. And it blew my mind because he had just put out a new album like the day before. I am a huge David Bowie fan. He's somebody that I've always looked up to musically. And I I had bought the album. I love the album. I love David Bowie. He knew he was sick. That's why he recorded the album and put the album out the way he did. And he died the next day. And I actually got like choked up. And I thought, wow, this is kind of weird. And I really didn't understand it. Now looking back on it, I realize it was because of everything that I was going through with my father. Yes, I am a big David Bowie fan, but I've just never really been upset when people like that die. I realize that I don't actually know them. I have them because of their art. Their art still means a whole lot to me. I don't think any less of Jim Morrison in the doors because he's not around and he died before I was born. I realize that I have his music I have his art, and I look at it that way. So the reason in my mind that I got upset over this death of David Bowie was because of everything that I was going through with my dad. Yes, I loved Bowie, but it was really about my father. Moving forward, I don't think really much more about it, and then, unfortunately, my dad passes away in June of 2016. And, of course, that's a little bit more traumatic to me than David Bowie dying. (laughs) Uh, a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, I was going through life, and October 2nd, 2017, I'm watching TV, watching the news of the horrible incident of the uh, Las Vegas, Nevada shooting at the Country Music Fest. Okay. And the ticker across the bottom of the screen comes on and says, Tom Petty has died. That's what I was, so I was just getting ready to bring that up. Yeah, Tom Petty was a pretty big one for a lot of people because I thought, oh my God, that's horrible. And it was really strange because then they came on a few minutes later and said, nope, he hasn't died. He is in critical condition in some hospital in L.A. And then it turned out like eight hours later, they came back on and said, yes, he has passed away as a result of what we now know was an accidental drug overdose. And I'll be honest, Tom Petty floored me. I was very broken up over Tom Petty for a long time. I mourned that death for quite some time. So that is, that's the only like celebrity death I've ever, and I don't want to say mourned because I didn't, I wasn't really mourning his death. I was mourning that I would never get to go to another Tom Petty concert. (laughs) Because in high school, though, admittedly, I dated like, a total stoner loser in high school. (laughs) Um, But one of the great things that came out of that was we went to see Tom Petty twice. I went um, the summer before my senior year and then the summer after my senior year. And, you know, the summer after your senior year is such a big deal anyway. Like you're, you're finally free for the first time. Like you're an actual adult. Um, if I remember correctly, it was like two weeks after I had turned 18 um, that we went to go see him. And it turned out to be this 
super cool show. Lightning struck the stage at Deer Creek. And if you call it anything other than Deer Creek, you're not my friend. Right. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and the stage caught fire and it started pouring down rain. And Tom Petty was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm still going to play. Most of you aren't going to be able to hear this, but that's okay. Because all, all electricity had gone out. And it was just, it was so cool to be a part of just this like, fly by the seat of your pants thing. I lost both of my flip-flops getting back to the car because the <laughs> um, the parking lot and the lawn had just turned into like this giant mud pit. And when I heard that Tom Petty died, I was like, you know, you know, I was almost 30 at that point. So I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to be living it up like I did the summer after I graduated high school right. anymore. But I thought, and he was supposed to come to Indiana again that year. Yeah. And I thought, well, guess I won't get to go to that concert. And I was so bummed out. And that was like the only time I distinctly recall being upset, so to speak, over a celebrity's death. And it was really just more I was upset about the experiences that I was no longer going to have, which sounds super selfish, but it's true. Well, sure. No. And that's right. I mean, music like I said, music touches, music touches people and you have experiences and, and you think about, you know, what, what will you will miss out on? I mean, because you don't know Tom Petty, you're not connected to Tom Petty in any way. And that's so weird for me to say that because I feel so connected to Tom Petty because I, you know, I could, I can sing you each and every one of his songs forwards and backwards from the middle and out both ends. I mean, I, I know them backwards and forwards. I've played them for years while I was a drummer in a band. I just say music is ingrained in my soul. And I will say when I hear the news, whenever the unfortunate day comes that Paul McCartney and or then Ringo Starr uh, have both passed away hopefully independently of each other, when those days come, I will be broken up. But still, with those couple of thoughts, I still agree with you that it's weird that people get so emotional with celebrities. And on the flip side of that, while I can't understand being broken up and upset, I can't definitely understand hating somebody and rejoicing that a celebrity has died or a political foe. I just really, really don't understand that. However, today when I heard the news that Rush Limbaugh had passed away after his year-long battle with lung cancer, it was a punch in the gut. But in that situation, I almost can understand why, because I got to thinking, with everything going on in America, with everything currently happening in the political climate, there was still so much left for Rush Limbaugh to say. And I just hate because I feel like he wanted to be around. He had so much more commentary left. He wanted to pass down to us his thoughts and his wisdom, whether 
you took that wisdom or not. And I always tell this really kind of weird thing back when I was a police officer. Anytime I would go to a death scene, whether it be natural or not, one of the first things I would do would be to look around to see if the decedent had a calendar or if they had anything written down that they had to do coming up. And I would just check to see, like, what do these people have scheduled for tomorrow? I can specifically remember there was a a, uh, a death scene that I went into, and there were two tickets to a play in Indianapolis. Like, it was a Thursday that we were there, that the, we got called, and there were tickets for that next day. And I was like, well, they're not going to need those tickets. You know, and it's just kind of weird to think about how we plan things out, and you never really know what tomorrow brings. And when my dad was going through his battle with cancer in the spring and summer of 2016, something occurred that made me think of something fairly cryptic. My dad was into politics as well, and he obviously had voted in the May primary. Uh, That was the presidential election in which Donald Trump won. My dad thought that Donald Trump was a complete nut job, and there was no way he could pull off a win. Unfortunately, my dad died before Donald Trump won in November because dad died in June. But that made me come up with the very strange and cryptic thought that one day— We will all watch a movie trailer of a movie that we would love to see, but we will die before the movie airs in theaters. So I don't know what you will do with that little bit of wisdom there, but take that. You can have it for free. That's kind of weird. What? So impressed with the optimism in the show tonight. <laughs> really. Isn't that great? <laughs> death. Um, you know, and I, I just I have a weird thing with death to begin with. But so I was like punched in the gut because I was like, God, there's so much more for Rush to say. Only how Rush can say it. And and I thought about how I wanted to talk about this because I didn't know that you were going to be able to record. And I really didn't know what I wanted to cover with this. Obviously, I wanted to talk about the passing of Rush and take a look at something that was going on as it relates to the political climate. And I just didn't feel like doing the same show that everyone else will be doing was good enough. Hey, we've went really long. We have to take a quick break to hit the sponsor of this episode. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to the 142nd episode of Perception is Reality. I'm your host, Christopher H. Bilbrey. She's Amber Green. And when we return, we will continue looking at the life and death of Rush Limbaugh and asking the question, is anybody in America decent anymore? We'll be right back. All right, folks, it's me here just going to talk to you a little bit about the sponsor of this episode. Are you looking for a way to shop your panties and your bras with the ease of one-click shopping from home? Well, then you got to look no further than Evie. Panties with a purpose. That's right, folks. Ebby, panties with a purpose. You're going to want to visit shop.join-ebby.com. Visit there today to check out all of their amazing selections. You will not be disappointed. Perception. Perception. Perception is reality. Reality. 
All right, folks, we are back at it. This is the 142nd episode of Perception is Reality. She's Amber, I'm Chris, and we are talking about the unfortunate, untimely, and sad passing of conservative media icon Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh died today, Wednesday, February 17th, 2021, at the age of 70 after facing a year-long battle with lung cancer. And we're talking about what an impact he had. I was talking about how I had made a post and kind of tipped my hat to him, offering thoughts and prayers to Rush, his family, and everybody involved, and how quickly we're seeing members of the opposite party, members of the left, coming on to attack the memory of Rush, coming on to post their hate-filled memes and their posts that are talking about rejoicing because he's dead, and people just not really understanding what that is. That's such a tacky, bad look. Now, before we get into that, I have to say, look, I don't care if you agree or disagree with Rush. I don't care if you're a Republican or you're a Democrat. I don't care what you believe as far as all of that goes. We have to just understand that facts are facts. And the facts are Rush Limbaugh is the greatest of all time. He raised the bar. He raised the standard in, in this profession, in political talk radio, political talk commentary, including podcasts, okay, including podcasts. He is the voice that launched 10,000, 100,000, 500,000 other voices. Without Rush Limbaugh, there's definitely no perception as reality. Without Rush Limbaugh, there is basically not any other political talk show that came after Rush Limbaugh because he saved political talk radio, specifically conservative political talk radio. So that's important to keep in mind. You can disagree with a lot that I have to say. You can hate Rush Limbaugh. You can not like what I'm saying, but facts are facts. There are a lot of facts that I disagree with, but I can't dispute facts. I cannot like them, but I can't disappear dispute them. So you're going to have to hold yourself to the same standard because I sure as hell am going to hold you to that standard. What I don't understand and what I need someone to help me understand is how there are people on the left, how there are Democrats, how there are progressives, how there are liberals, whatever they want to call themselves, whatever they want to be called, how there are these people who are saying they want unity, unity, unity. We need unity. We need the Republicans to, to uh, bow down and, and come to meet us in the middle. We are not willing to budge. You must come to us, and we want unity, unity, unity. But then at the same time, they are able to post a, a status on Twitter or on Facebook that says, Rush Limbaugh, I'm glad that bitch is dead. I don't understand how you think that is unifying, how you're going to get unity from that statement. And that's what blows my mind. Like, it's the same people, and we're just going to get back to the hypocrisy talk, because that's all it ever freaking <laughs> yes. is. Welcome to hypocrisy talk. You're on the air with Chris and Amber. It's the same people that, you know, just yesterday or the day before or the week before or January freaking 20th said, now is the time for unity. Let's put all the bad stuff behind us. Let's, let's put the four years of hate away. Yeah. And, and then they post, don't RIP Rush Limbaugh. Like, right. 
you're just disgusting. Right. And there's no, there's no other way to put it. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like you can't ask for unity and post that you yeah. can. Uh, well, don't get me wrong. Yes, you can, but you're not going to get it. And if you don't get it, it's because of shit like that. And let's face it, look, I know not everybody's willing to say what I'm saying, but I will say, I'm willing to hear you Democrats out. I am willing to hear you on the left out. I will walk towards you. I'm not asking you to walk towards me. I am willing to meet you somewhere out in the middle, okay? I know the bridge is gone. I know it's been burnt down. I know the bombs were dropped on it. I know it is completely decimated. But we have to figure out a way to try at least to start to think about possibly looking to talk about sometime next week building the bridge back, okay? And I understand not everyone will, not any Democrats seem to be willing to come across, so I will be the first person to say I will take a step in that direction. What I am not willing to do is I am not willing to compromise myself. I am not willing to fold up my beliefs and throw them away, stick them up my ass or yours. I am not willing to just stop paying attention to facts. I am not willing to sell my soul to the devil or to any Democrat party or any demagogue political figure. I will retain my right to research. I will retain my right to speak out and be informed and be active and understand what it is that we are discussing. And I will say, look, I'm willing to allow you to change my mind. I'm not closed-minded. I will let you talk. And if you can change my mind with great argument, with factual information, and you have a better point than I have, then great, I'm willing to hear you out. But I'm not going to do it because you hate my heroes and uh, via extension me. The other thing I don't get into is all of the crazy-ass name-calling. Look, I'm just going to say it in the easiest way possible. I didn't like it when conservatives were calling the liberal snowflakes and cupcakes and all that nonsense. And now that we're four years later and they're in control and they're powerful, I don't like that they're saying it to the conservatives. They didn't like it when ignorant conservatives were saying that to them. And I don't like it when their ignorant people are saying that to us. And this is a situation that my father used to talk about all the time when he would say, we're letting our idiots talk to their idiots. This is a situation where only idiots are talking and there are no grown people in the room having a conversation. Of course, people on the left don't like being called cupcakes or snowflakes. Why in the hell do they think that they should call people on the right now cupcakes and snowflakes? Just because they were called that four years ago, at some point we need to get to the point where we can say, I know you just jabbed me in the eye with your thumb. I'm going to put my hands down. I'm going to put my weapons down. I'm not going to jab you back just because you jabbed me. Welcome to Hypocrisy Talk. You're on the air with Chris and Amber. What kills me is once I, just recently, I had some pretty progressive liberals 
tell me that I was an A-OK conservative because I was willing to see things from all sides, and they thought that was pretty stand-up. But then a few months later, when I wanted to ask some questions of the liberal agenda, when I wanted to ask some questions of Biden, all of a sudden I'm some dirty dog that needs to be taught a lesson because how dare I question the liberal, progressive, Democrat agenda? And so when I hear that, I think, how could you possibly want unity? You don't want unity. You want me to bow to you. Another example of that is for me to say, oh, hey, a hero of mine, a conservative icon Rush Limbaugh has died of cancer. What a horrible situation. And you on the left can't say, yeah, that's horrible. We hate that. Cancer sucks. Cancer's a bitch. Everybody's been affected by cancer, even those on the left. We understand that sucks. We understand that we might not agree with him, but we see the value in what he did. That's amazing. We're sorry for your loss. We're sorry for his family's loss. We will honor that. And then live to fight another day, they want to say, screw him. We're glad he's dead. It's amazing that he's dead. The only good Rush Limbaugh is a dead Rush Limbaugh. What kind of unity is that? Tell me this man who battled cancer and died is a piece of shit and died. Great. Have at it. But let's be real just for a second. I'm not asking you to like, love, support, care about, think he's great. But politics aside, just what he did for broadcasting, what he did for radio, what he did for the medium of talk radio was was lifted out of the gutter. That's my dream job. That's why I do this podcast. I give him a tip of the hat for that. And when I post something on my wall, I'm not posting it on your wall, but I post it on my wall saying... Thoughts and prayers to his family. Rest in peace. You were wonderful at what you did. You were a conservative icon. We tip our hat to you for what you accomplished. And then here comes some lefty liberal posting on my wall. I'm glad he's dead. He's burning in hell. I just, I can't wrap my mind around that. And it's like you said, Amber, you will not get unity that way. No. And and they can't seem to understand that. Like it's it's like these big these big words that people want: um, unity, respect. Um, I mean, I'm sure I could think of a few others if I tried hard enough. <laughs> it feels like the people that are are constantly barking for it don't understand that those are not just human rights you have no right to be respected at all you have to earn that and you have no inherent right to be unified with other people just because you live in the same country right or because you share the same skin color or the same religion right you have to prove that you are unified with those people And the fact that so many people are so incredibly entitled today that they think that just because they are living and breathing, they deserve these things from other humans just blows my mind. Right. I mean, do you, do you deserve humanity? Yes. 
but I don't have to respect you just because you have an opinion. You have a First Amendment right to speak. That does not guarantee you the right to be heard. We can call you the crazy person if we want, as well as you can call me the crazy person. We can all speak. We will not all be heard. I was just getting ready to follow up with that. Like when I said you don't have a right to be respected, and I don't, I don't have to respect you just because you have an opinion. Yes. I, I expect the same. You don't have to respect me just because I have an opinion. Right. I will try and earn your respect by being a, you know, respectful, poised person you? and not being overtly hypocritical and name calling and juvenile in my, you know, interminglings with you sure but i don't expect you to respect me just simply because i have an opinion <laughs> right and that, that's what just and and i it it it, it kind of like bridges a, a generation gap sure almost because i feel like the people younger than me so like the early 20s um, what is that? Like Gen Z, you know, the people that are telling me I shouldn't be wearing skinny jeans and parting my hair to the side anymore. <laughs> right. Um, I feel like they and the baby boomers finally have something in common. Like they both think that they deserve respect just simply because, because they Because of who they are. That's amazing. And I, I'm just like, I, I can't get behind God. it either way. That's amazing. That is truly amazing. That connection that they finally have something in common that they feel like they should be respected just solely because of who they are. That is truly, truly amazing. I mean, I really it'd be awesome. So I would I would love to watch and I know the retail, you know, scene has changed, so I'm sure it's not the same. But if we didn't have COVID, I would love to be a fly on the wall in a retail environment where it is a Gen Z worker and a baby boomer customer whose coupon has expired. <laughs> because it would just, it'd be amazing because they both, and I'm speaking from experience, I've dealt with this type of customer. They both think that they just have to have respect because of who they are. So the baby boomer is going to be like, well, I, I have this coupon and you need to honor it. And the Gen Z is not going to know what to do because they're going to be like, well, I'm working here and you need to respect that. <laughs> and it, I, oh, it'd be amazing. It would, it would be simply amazing. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Uh, while we're sitting here talking, this is pissing me off. I'm looking at Twitter and I've typed in just typed in Rush Limbaugh's name. I didn't even type in Rush Limbaugh dead. I just typed in Rush Limbaugh. And I want to read you some tweets that have popped up here, just so the people can hear in real time how disgusting this is. There's a tweet by Cory Doctorow, who says, and he's a, an author and a journalist uh, and a, le a left-wing activist, says, Rush Limbaugh, the sex tourist drug addict, whose four marriages... Who gives a shit how many times he's been married? Oh, that, yes. 
What like, what 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 is this? And and so wait a minute, isn't the left supposed to be willing to give someone a second chance if someone has a disease such as drug addiction, they are supposed to be helped and and given a second chance and and a better way because they're trying to make a difference and they're trying to make themselves better whether they do or not that's a different thing but aren't they supposed to be willing to overlook that not to mention the the statement about his marriages or oh my god he likes sex what is this idiot trying to say here the thing that gets me like not only are we supposed to you know give everyone a second chance aren't aren't the left like the big supporters of any and all alternative lifestyle. Sure. Right. Right. Like, can't, can't multiple divorces just be like, right. Yeah. A, he's just not into, you yeah, know, I mean, he, he's just not, uh, monogamous, you know, or uh, like, let's talk, let's talk about Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. Not, not Ted. Right. Right. Um, well, no, Ted, Ted, no, no, no. Ted was there too. They're all part but, of it. Like, JFK, yep. yeah, he he was married to one woman, but yeah. how many other women did he have on the side? Sure. But since he was only married to one, we're yeah. still like right, yeah, he in also a hero. Yeah, absolutely. I just just well, this guy goes on to say, uh, Rush Limbaugh. The sex tourist, drug addict, whose four marriages, mockery of people after their own deaths, and overt racism and misogyny, who made him a beloved icon of the American conservatism, is dead at age 70. Good. Okay, there, there's one. And here's another one. It's got pictures of people not smiling, and then the next picture is the same person smiling. And it says... Pictures of people before and after they were told Rush Limbaugh had died. Then there are several that have things that happened today. New Infinity Train, New Total Drama, Nintendo Direct, Rush Limbaugh dropped dead. All in all, today is shaping up to be a pretty good day. How disgusting. Now this one here I like. Look at all of the tweets about Rush Limbaugh's death today. And understand that it's not hyperbole to say that the left wants you dead for your political beliefs. Okay? I know, it's crazy. And all of this being said about a man who put headphones on and sat in front of a microphone for three hours a day for 32 years so people would turn the radio station on so advertisers would advertise with the stations that he was on so the people would hear those advertisements and buy that product so those companies would continue to advertise. Rush Limbaugh was there to sell advertisement. Yes, he wanted to make a difference. Yes, he believed what he said, but he was an entertainer. And now I get it. It might not have been your entertainment. You might not like it. I don't like all other entertainment. There are things that I don't like, but I don't wish any of those people dead. Think about any of your favorite actors. Any one of those people, Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise, George Clooney, Jennifer Aniston, any anyone, okay, just pick a name. Any of those people could get a role next week and be filming a movie that will be out in theaters next year where they are a depraved psychopath. 
They're a child molester. They hurt dogs. They blow up whole city blocks, killing many, many, many people, women, children, men, whatever. And we would applaud that. We would come out of that movie theater, and they would be given an award at some kind of academy deal, and we would think it's wonderful entertainment. We understand that those people aren't the crazy people hurting, molesting, killing, raping, and pillaging, that they are playing a part. I believe Rush Limbaugh believed a lot of what he said. I also believe that he was a freaking entertainer. I believe things that I say here, and I try to be me behind the microphone as I am on the street. But even I have said on my live videos and in other podcasts, I realize that I talk about politics, and politics generally is a dry subject. I get that. So I have to do something to make it entertaining for people to want to click back into week after week after week to listen to. Well, yeah, why do you think you got me on the show? <laughs> right, see, that's that's exactly, that's Ooh. that's what you're here for, is to spice it up a little bit. That's, that's great. People are, I think, really waiting for us to fight. That will be when the big ratings are. But bottom line is, people hate... Rush Limbaugh because he took a stand, he said what he believed, he did it in an entertaining way that lots of lots and lots of Americans liked to hear. And people were, in my opinion, jealous of that. And that leads them to be willing to say absolutely most disgusting, heinous things on a day such as today when he has lost his battle with cancer. My question is, when do we get to cancel these people for the things they are saying? Keep in mind, I don't like cancel culture, but what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But I'll be honest, I, I'll be honest, man, and it's got nothing to do with Rush Limbaugh's death. It's just the whole damn thing. I don't understand how we walk back from this. I, I just honestly don't. I don't either. I And I that sounds like it sounds so bleak and sad, but <laughs> when I no longer feel like I'm at risk for being canceled just because I'm a conservative female that's not a feminist right then maybe i'll have a little bit more faith in being able to walk this back sure sure absolutely well but you know go ahead it, sorry no it's if feminism and all of i mean any other movement that's like that is really about you know females then we should be supporting all females absolutely. whether they believe in the left or believe in the right right same thing goes for, you know, Black Lives Matter. We right. should be supporting black cops yeah. and black women that are murdered by black men and black children that are aborted by black mothers. Yeah. And then, you know, you get into supporting gays or the LGBTQ community. And I know this is going to blow some people's minds, but there are some conservative members of the LGBTQ community and by God, they don't belong there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's when, when you can actually use the word unity and describe to me what its definition is, then we can talk about it. I hear you. Absolutely. You know, 
there's another one. I keep seeing tweets popping up on the screen just saying massively gross crap. But one of the things that is kind of a common theme is talking about how Rush Limbaugh hated the gays. And I don't really particularly recall that or believe that that is accurate. But for people who believe that, I just want to take one step and remind everybody, maybe for people who don't know, who sang and performed at he and his wife's wedding in 2010. Does anybody want to take a guess? Does anybody know? Amber, do you know? Would it surprise anybody to find out that Sir Elton John was the performer at the Limbaugh's wedding in 2010? No way. Yeah, I mean, can you believe it? I couldn't even believe that Rush Limbaugh would know who Elton John was and, moreover, want him at, that he would be welcomed at his wedding. I'm more shocked at the fact that Rush Limbaugh's fourth wedding was a big enough deal that Elton John wanted to be there. Shit. It like I'm I I mean I know of Rush Limbaugh but I definitely didn't realize he was of that status. Oh no, dude. Wait, what? This is what the show should have been about. Rush Limbaugh was extremely wealthy. Rush Limbaugh, in my opinion, was probably one of the most well-known radio talk personalities of all time. Probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, radio personality ever. Uh, His net worth is in excess of $600 million, and his last contract negotiation was an eight-year contract for a grand total of $285 million, which come out to $31.25 million a year, and he just signed a new contract last year, which said that his yearly salary would be $85 million per year. Now, that just went into effect last year, and he died in February of this year, so unfortunately, he never saw that increase, but you get the point. His wedding to Catherine, I believe that I read, cost around $33 million, and it was a who's who among Hollywood celebrities, sports athletes, the political elite, and media personnel from all over the spectrum. And for others that might be in the same boat as Amber, let's just go over quick biographical information here real quick. Rush Limbaugh's full name was Rush Hudson Limbaugh III. He was born January 12, 1951 in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Limbaugh's father was a lawyer and a United States fighter pilot who served in the China-Burma-India theater of World War II, and his mother was a stay-at-home mother. Limbaugh graduated high school in 1969, where he had played football, loving football, and after he had graduated from high school, he took a job at the age of 16 at his first radio station, which was KGMO, a local radio station in the Cape Girardeau area. He used the air name Rusty Sharp, having found Sharp in the telephone book. Limbaugh later cited Chicago DJ Larry... 
Lujak as a major influence on uh, Rush and stated that Lujak was the only person he ever copied. Because of his parents' desire to see him attend college, he dropped out of the gig at the radio station and enrolled in Southeastern Missouri State University, but he dropped out after two semesters. According to his mother, he flunked nearly everything that he took. He just did not seem interested in anything except radio. In February of 1971, after dropping out of college at the age of 20, Limbaugh accepted an offer to work as a DJ at WIXZ, a top 40 radio station in McKeesport, Pennsylvania. He adopted the air name Bachelor Jeff Christie, and he worked the afternoon shift before moving to the morning drive. The station's general manager compared Limbaugh's style at the time to early Imus. In 1973, after 18 months at WIXZ, Limbaugh was fired from the station due to quote-unquote personality conflicts with the program director. He then started a nighttime position at KQV in Pittsburgh, succeeding Jim Quinn. In the late 1974-1975 season of radio, Limbaugh was dismissed after new management put pressure on the program director to fire him. Limbaugh recalled the general manager telling him that he would never land success as an on-air personality and suggested a career in radio sales. I guess that's kind of like the guy at Decca Records that told the Beatles guitar music was on the way out and they would never hit it big. I always love stories like that. After this rejection, he took a position in Wisconsin. Limbaugh then returned to living with his parents in Cape Girardeau. Towards the end of 1975 and through the later half of the 70s, Rush Limbaugh worked at various radio stations as a top 40 DJ spinning music, and it seemed like none of those gigs lasted very long. He actually considered himself a moderate failure in radio, and in 1979, he accepted a part-time role in group sales for the Kansas City Royals baseball team, which he then developed into a full-time position as director of group sales and special events. During this time, he became very good friends with most of the Kansas City Royals, a lot of the other management and staff members, and others in professional athletics. In 1983, Limbaugh returned to radio at a station in Kansas City for a year. He then decided to drop the on-air moniker that most DJs at the time had and use his real name. A few weeks into that gig, he was actually let go from the station, but he did land a station on KFBK in Sacramento, California, replacing a pretty popular radio host at the time, Morton Downey Jr. The show launched on October 14, 1984. That, along with the repeal of the Fairness Doctrine, which had required radio stations to provide free airtime for responses to any controversial opinions, we started to see the Rush Limbaugh that we know develop. In 1988, because of 
his success in Sacramento, California, he took a job at WABC in New York City. Syndication was then on, and he quickly became the Rush Limbaugh of the Rush Limbaugh show. In 2019, with syndications in nearly every market in the United States, Rush Limbaugh was being heard by nearly 15.5 million people weekly. That just kind of blows my mind a little bit. And it just proves, I mean, if his, if his wedding was $33 million, I'm going to guess that means that the guest list was pretty hefty. Oh, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't just like 10 or 20 people. Um, so I'm also going to guess that a good portion of the guests in attendance were not conservatives. Oh, yeah. Um, which just proves right there that anybody and everybody will follow the money. You will put your political differences aside if you're invited to a $33 million social event. Oh, sure. Well, that's just similar to Donald Trump and the Clintons and Donald Trump and everybody from Hollywood and and really Donald Trump and everybody. Donald Trump was a supporter of everybody. He gave money to Democrats. He gave money to Republicans. He was a businessman. He did what he needed to do and he was a rich businessman and he hung out with other rich people. If you are a multi, multi, multi millionaire, you're not hanging out with Christopher Bilbrey or Amber Green. You're not hanging out in Muncie, Indiana. You're hanging out in in the swankiest of swanky places in New York, in Paris, in L.A., in Chicago, and you're hanging out with other multi-multi-multi-millionaires. You're not hanging out with little peons. A million dollars is nothing. Anybody can have a million dollars in the bank. I mean, that's, that's really nothing. People who have $600 million are only hanging out with other people who have $600 million. And they all tend to be of varying political backgrounds. There are people out there that like to get in front of the video camera and they like to talk on the microphone and say how much they hate Donald Trump and how much they hate Rush Limbaugh, but they partied it up with them when they were behind the scenes at some party, at some wedding, doing what these people do best. We hang out with people in our social circles, and they hang out with the people in their social circles. We talk about the people that we hang out with, and they talk about the people they hang out with. We just need to get to a point where we're not dealing with the hypocrisy. Welcome to Hypocrisy Talk. You're on the air with Chris and Amber. So having not really known who Rush Limbaugh was, what are your thoughts? You've you've enlightened me on Rush Limbaugh um, because you were actually able to tell me things about his life other than, yay, he's dead. Right. Um, thank you, Mr. Liberal Captain Obvious. <laughs> um and I'm still, I'm still just kind of baffled at the, the uh, Elton John thing. I'm not going to lie. Like, so I was a young girl when Princess Diana died. Oh, yeah. And we all know that Elton John sang at her funeral. Oh, yes. And said he would never sing that song again yeah. after her funeral. And I'm sorry, but I'm a little offended, Elton. Like, I know you didn't sing that song, but I don't feel like Rush Limbaugh was quite the... Uh, Princess Diana. <laughs> so I feel like you need to pick your your private showings a little bit better. 
<laughs> oh, that's great. That's fantastic. Absolutely wonderful. <laughs> Candle in the wind. Oh my God. <laughs> that's great. I'm, I'm interested. Um, we'll have to do a follow-up next week, obviously. Well, assuming, um, that Rush's funeral is before next oh, yeah. week. Um, I know celebrity funerals tend to be done on a little bit more of a slower timeline than, you know, us measly peasant folk. So maybe he will not have a funeral by a week from today. Uh, um, yeah, but assuming I don't that know. he does, yeah, uh, that'll give us a little bit of something to follow up on. Maybe there will be like rallies in the streets during <laughs> his funeral, um, which is disgusting. But at this point, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, but other than that, no. I thought I, you. I think that's, you wanted to do a follow up to make sure he was still dead. <laughs> he, oh no, no, he will this still isn't, be dead next week. This isn't Michael Jackson. I'm not. <laughs> nobody's arguing. That, well, at least I'm not arguing that he's not dead. Um, I do, I do believe he is, is actually dead. Yes. He, and he will still be dead next week. But I mean, if anybody's capable of faking their own death, it's these multimillionaires. That's absolutely true. Absolutely. And I will tell you, listen, um, you know, I know it might be too soon and all, but that golden microphone will need somebody to speak into it. And I could use a couple million dollars so if anybody out there knows anybody that knows anybody that knows anybody, uh, I'm sure Amber and I could split that money. So, like, look well, us I up. Well, I mean, Alex Trebek, RIP, all of his clothing was donated. <laughs> so maybe you could get so lucky. Maybe the, maybe the microphone. I don't want the microphone. I want the contract. <laughs> <laughs> they have to fill that three-hour time slot. I don't now, want the... <laughs> now, beggars cannot be choosers, Bilberry. I would take Come the on. microphone. I would, I would take the microphone. Okay, uh, speaking of the microphone, I'm going to do something special here in just a second. Uh, so stick around to the end. You won't want to miss that. But Amber, could you tell us where the folks can find you? I can be found on Facebook at... Uh, Amber Green, that's me. Green has an E at the end. And you can find my fun little follow along VIP page where I show you a little snippets of my life and also sling some skincare at a touch of green. Again, green with green has an E at the end of it. Fantastic, Amber. Thank you very much. Folks, you know where to find me. You can catch me on Facebook at Christopher H. Bilbrey, Christopher with a K, or Facebook.com forward slash Bilbrey318. You can also call the studio line or text the studio line at 765-546-9796, or you can email me at khbilbrey at gmail.com. Please don't forget to share the show with everyone you know. Remind them we can be found on all major podcast hosting sites. All they have to do is search for the full name of the show, Perception is Reality, with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Or the easiest way is to simply go to Google and enter in Bilbrey Podcast. That's B-I-L-B-R-E-Y Podcast will pop right up. Okay, I was trying to figure out the best way to end this episode, and it struck me. 
What could be better than ending with Russia's own words from his very last hour of his very last show that he ever produced and ever recorded for all of us to hear? On Tuesday, February 2nd, 2021, before the Rush Limbaugh show was to begin, Rush was feeling a little ill. And he didn't know that he would be able to make his show or his full show. So his team had called a longtime guest host, Mark Stein, to be at the ready in case Rush couldn't go on. 12 o'clock came and Rush was able to perform well. Matter of fact, if you listen to the show that started at 12.06 p.m. on Tuesday, February 2nd, you wouldn't even know Rush was sick unless you just knew. At the end of his first hour, his team came to him and asked, Are you okay? Do you need Mark to step in? Rush said, No, I've got this. He performed his second hour from 1 to 2 p.m. At the end of that second hour, his team came and said, Hey, Mark can fill in. You can always come back tomorrow. Rush said, Nope, I can do it. I'm feeling just fine. And Rush went on air at 2.06 p.m., wrapping up just before 3 on Tuesday, February 2nd. And as Rush always did... He ran right up until very at the edge of the hard deadline, right at like 2.58. And they would kill the music. It would go out for a second, and he would come back on with just a few quick, simple words. The words you're getting ready to hear are the last words that Rush Limbaugh ever spoke into his famous golden EIB microphone. They are the last words that Rush Limbaugh ever spoke on air for all of us to hear, and I feel like they are very fitting. Mr. Limbaugh, take it away. Well, my friends, that's it. Yet another excursion into broadcast excellence in the can. Enjoyed being with you today. Always do, and look forward to the uh, to the next time. Thanks to Mark Stein, who has been in standby mode all day. Wasn't sure I was going to be able to go today. And then each hour I had to assess. But we made it. Thank you, Mr. Stein. See you all next time. You've been listening to Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey. Bilbrey. Tune in, like, and subscribe at perception.fireside.fm. Hook up on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Bilbrey318 and on Twitter at PISRBilbrey. Email khbilbrey at gmail.com. Or get off your butt and call the show at 765-546-9796. Till next time, remember, perception Perception is is reality. Reality. This has been Perception is Reality with Christopher H. Bilbrey, where we aim for better government through citizen involvement.